Let's return to All Things Employment with Vicki Causa on TalkZone.com. Okay, we're back. And uh, thanks for tuning back in. Again, the phone lines are open. It's 888-463-6748, 888-GO-FOR-IT. Um, what we've been talking about for the, the first segment of the show really is First of all, for people who may still be at work and what they may need to get ready for if, in fact, they think they may be let go. And now what we're talking about really is getting into the bulk of, I think, the most important thing that you need to know at this point in time is the resume and what your resume needs to look like, what it should say, what it absolutely should not say, and talk a little bit more in detail about that. So what I want to begin to cover in this segment is, is a couple of things. Your cover letter and resume are the essential pieces of of what I like to call the personal marketing campaign. Now, when you think about a marketing campaign or a campaign, think about the last political campaign that we had. You needed only to mention a candidate's name and you knew exactly what that candidate stood for. You knew what their platform was that they were speaking from. You knew exactly what you could expect each time you tuned in. So what I like to say to, to folks working with me or working on resumes is really what you're doing is putting together a job campaign, a personal marketing campaign. And we'll talk about the elements of that in a minute. But the most important piece of that is going to be the cover letter and the resume. Now, in some instances and many instances, instances unfortunately, this may be the only voice that you have to present to a hiring manager during the initial process. Remember, you're trying to sell yourself on a piece of paper. And in most cases, it's two pieces of paper or three, depending on the letter and what the two pages of your resume say. Now, a couple of things to keep in mind. These are tried and true tips for any resume. What I say here, and it may sound contradictory, but it really is not. I say keep it relatively short, okay? You do not have to list every single qualification you have for a given position. Again, the resume is really meant to entice an employer to call for more details. You're wetting their appetite. It's a sales call. It should be written in such a way that you want to leave the reader wanting more and more details about you. So if they look at the piece of paper, they think, wow, if this is this guy or this gal is this good on paper, I need to get them in here to take a look and talk with them. Now, the new rule is that you don't have to go back further than 10 years' experience on your resume. You can summarize that portion of your history in the document further down. And the reason for that is this. Most employers are looking for the most relevant experience or the most relevant accomplishments that you have had in the past 10 years. Now, because there are so many people that are out there looking that have had 15, 20 years' experience, what... What we tend to do with that is put, again, the most pertinent information up front, again, above the fold, as we said, and what you do then is summarize the anything further back than 10 years in what we call additional experience on the back of the resume. So two things are happening. You're not leaving anything out, so you're being truthful as much as you can, but you're also not calling attention to information or items that may not be as pertinent or as as um, as important as some of the new stuff that you've done. So that's a good way to keep it on the resume, but to keep it in the background. Okay. Now, I also want to say this too, is keep it simple. And Keeping it simple means this. Even if you come from a technical field, you don't have to overload your resume with any kind of technical terms. Remember, the first person to actually look at your resume, now remember, this is after it's scanned and it gets through that 15 to 30 second eyeballing 
period. But the first person to actually look at your resume may not be the hiring manager. It may be somebody who is doing an initial screening of a resume to find out exactly what you bring to the table. So what we say here is it should be easy for the average person to read. Now, the other thing I'd like to say is this. When you are putting together your resume, again, we say before, it's it's more of a sales document. You are trying to sell yourself. And what you want to do in this document, because it is not a very long document and we're saying not to overload it, you want to kind of think about it in terms of putting it in what we call a sales brochure as opposed to a product manual. Now, when I say that, I mean this. When you buy a piece of electronics or something that requires some kind of instruction manual, you will get in that package a manual that gives you step by step by step what comes first, what comes second, what comes third to get you that product up and running. You don't want your resume to be that product manual. You want it to be more of that slick advertising piece that brought that product to your attention in the first place. There was something about it, something that really caught your eye, and that's what the resume should do. You should have something compelling about it as opposed to being just a list of things that you've done or some kind of a product manual. So keep that in mind when you're putting it together. I know we're saying keep it simple and relatively short, but these are some elements you want to keep in mind when you're doing this. Now, the other thing we always tell folks is use the correct format. Now, depending on your work history and experience, your resume can have two different formats. One is chronological. Now, if there hasn't been a lag between jobs and if your career has mainly stayed in the same industry, this may not be a bad idea for you. Now, chronological is something that we've seen over and over. It lists all the roles you've had, how long you were with a particular organization, and what title and or accomplishments you may have had. So that's a typical resume that most people are familiar with. But what I wanted to introduce here, too, is a different format called the functional resume. Now, you might have heard about that before. You might have seen some samples on some Internet sites or whatever. But this is a format that works best for someone who's been perhaps in different industries or perhaps long lapses between jobs or or this is a new one as well, you want to focus on accomplishments that you've had rather than when it was you accomplished it, okay? So this also works very well for somebody who's been with an organization, the same company, for maybe 15, 20 years. Instead of listing everything chronologically so that an employer has to look through the resume and find things under each heading of each position that you've had, what you really want to do is make sure that you have things right up front, so a functional resume allows you to put things right up front. Okay, so we'll talk a little bit about that more as we get further into these as well. Now, again, I know this sounds like it's being repeated, but the most valuable part of your resume is that top piece. That's below your contact information. It's where you should succinctly list the summary of your experience. This is a great place to put what we call the headline of your experience. Now, remember what we said Somebody will look at that resume for 15 to 30 seconds. So this is really where you want their eye to go and you want most of the time spent. Now, let me give you a little tip too on resumes and when you post them to the, to the internet or you post them on any kind of a job board. What I would say is you do not have to, nor should you, include your street address on a resume that you're posting to the internet. Because truly speaking, that resume will get posted and looked at by an awful lot of people for different positions. They don't need to know what street you live on. They do maybe need to know what town you live in or what state you live in. They need a couple of things on a resume. They need two points of contact. They need your 
cell phone number or your home phone number, whichever you prefer, and they need a valid email address. Okay, so make sure that you are not giving them more information than they need. And when I say they, I really mean people who are, you know, could, could cause damage to you by stealing your identity. All an identity thief really needs is your name, your address, your city and your state, your phone number, and they're in business. So keep, don't make it easy for them. Keep that information private. You do not need to put your street address on an internet posted resume. I would also say that you don't have to put your year of college graduation because again you're giving more information out there to people who can do some real damage to you so stay away from that if you can and then also a tip on emails some people are very creative and quirky with some of their email addresses this is not the time you certainly do not want to list on your contact information your email as something like you know party animal or beer pong champ or you know beach babe or anything like that you really need to keep it professional so keep the email as professional as you can. And another tip I like to give students also is this. If you are using an email address and you're getting a lot of what we call junk mail coming in, change the email address just for your job search so that when your job search is over, you can cancel out that email account and the junk mail goes away. I'm sure many of you out there have had an awful lot of Emails from get-rich-quick schemes, process rebates at home and make millions of dollars, all of those things that really take up time and take up space in your email box that you don't need. So consider having a separate email account just for your your job search, and then you can close that out when it's done and you won't be bothered anymore. So keep those in mind if, uh, if that's helpful to you. Now, what we also like to say is this. A lot of employers, and as we said before, spend very little time looking at a resume or looking at the accomplishments before they make a decision. So when you're listing your accomplishments, what we try to say, what we say is try to use quantifying terms such as you decreased loss revenue by 10% or you increased customer satisfaction by 20, 25%. And keep in mind that these statements must be true and you must be able to give examples when asked. So for example, if you say, being part of a team that led an initiative that decreased customer complaints by 18%, you might also want to say which resulted in or which then gave us the opportunity to. And again, what you're doing is giving the employer food for thought. Remember what we said, you're looking to be able to solve somebody's problems. So on your resume, if you can list things that are problem-solving, and you can say, yeah, in a situation where we were in, I was part of a team that initiated a system that was able to decrease loss by X amount, and this was the result. So that's already telling the interviewer that you already have some of those problem-solving skills that they need. And, gee, if you did it for that company, what can you do for my company? So you want to keep that you want to keep those accomplishments qualitative and quantifying so that you can add in numbers so that it proves that you really can do what you're saying you can do and they're not having to fish for that. So keep that in mind as well. So that, again, is part of the accomplishments you want to add. Now, the other thing I say to people, and this also may sound like a no-brainer to a lot of people, but for some who are out there after having been out for a long time and not doing resumes, what we say is do not add anything personal. Now, while an employee, employers rather are looking at the candidates as a whole, 
you can list organizations that you may belong to, but be careful about listing anything that would identify your marital status, your age, your religious affiliation, or even your political affiliation. So you don't want to put anything like the fact that you belong to the Young Republicans or anything that's going to identify you as being in any kind of a category. And nobody can discriminate against you for any of this, for your marriage, your age, your religion, or anything like that. But don't give them reasons to discount you. Don't give anybody a reason to look and say, we have enough Democrats here. We're not going to look at this person. So just just kind of be careful about what you put there. What I would tell you also, though, is you would absolutely want to include any kind of volunteer information or voluntary associations that you may have because it shows that you're a good rounded citizen. It shows some community involvement. So if you're a member of the Rotary, if you're a member of your local chamber of commerce, if you volunteer at any kind of a, a well-known type of a, a a situation like a hospital or a school or anything that may just round out your experiences, I would absolutely put that on there. But again, be careful and stay away from anything that's going to identify anything that you may belong to. Okay. Now, again, what we say, they can't use any of these identifiers in the hiring decision, but it just takes up space on the resume that you don't need. Remember, we're really shooting for pertinent, quantifiable popping type of information to get your resume reviewed. So don't put anything on there that doesn't need to be included because it's just a waste of time and space and it doesn't really make the hiring decision. It doesn't really influence it in any way. Now, the other thing I'd like to say also on a resume, include only what is essential and only what you can defend. Now, what I say about what I mean by this is this. There's no need to include anything on your resume that you were not proficient in even though you had to do it for your job, but if you were not proficient in it, you don't have to add it. Or if it was something that you did not enjoy doing, you don't have to add it as something as an accomplishment or something that you did in a prior job. Remember the purpose of the resume is to get you an interview, and the reason for the interview is to be able to sell yourself and what you did well. So what you don't want to do is load up the resume with every single thing that you've done or things that you may not have been proficient in or comfortable performing. So keep in mind, those do not have to be on the resume. It may come up in the interview, absolutely, but you don't have to absolutely include them. Don't take up the space that need you need for something else. Now, when we talk about space, this is the other thing I want to keep, I want you to keep in mind. Keep the margins and the white space generous. Now, because of the volume of resumes being received by companies, you know, you can get, you can expect yours may get an extra boost because it looks good. All right. So it's got to be pleasing to the eye and it should have balanced margins between spaces. The other thing is keep the fonts simple. All right. This is not the time to impress anybody with the various fonts that come with your software package. And it's not the time to impress anybody on your, your word uses or your graphics. Okay. So what you want to do is just use the bold feature sparingly because when you're using bold or capital letters, it almost gives the appearance of shouting, which is the last thing you want to do on a resume. Just think about it when you get emails from your friends or anybody that, that comes in and it's all in capital letters. It's almost like they're shouting at you. You don't want that on a resume. There are certain things you do not want on a resume. We mentioned two of them before. One is any kind of an error or any kind of a, a lie or something that can't be defended. And the other thing you don't want is to appear as though you're shouting at the interviewer. 
because it, it's not very pleasing to the eye and it's a bit distracting. So really all of the things that we're saying here are tips and techniques to keep you on the top of the pile. We don't want to give the interviewer or the reviewer any reason to discard your resume. And sometimes all in caps may just turn somebody off. So make sure you really limit the caps and the bolding to just when it's really needed. Now, the other thing I also want to say is get a critique of your resume. Ask somebody else to review it for you. A friend or a former colleague is a really good start. What you're doing there, too, is giving yourself a bit of a break because you've written the resume and you've looked at it five, six, seven, ten, a hundred times, and to you it looks fine. Give it to somebody with a fresh set of eyes. Make sure that they are looking at it and make sure that they check for content, make sure they check for flow. Make sure they check for any kind of errors or omissions that you may have on there. You may have a date transposed and you don't realize it. You may have worked in 1998 and you're putting 1988, which adds 10 years of experience. So let somebody else look at your resume. Again, if it's a former colleague that you've worked with before, maybe in the same company or had a similar job, that may be a good start as well. One other thing I cannot stress often enough is check and check and check again. Now, if your resume or your cover letter contains a grammatical word usage or any kind of an error, it will get filed, but not in the file you want it to be in. It will be in that familiar, famous, circular file. So don't rely solely on spell check. Be sure that you've read and reread and reread everything that you possibly can reread look for information look for errors spell check is a wonderful wonderful tool but it only detects blatant spelling errors now let me give you a little example before we go to break there was a resume that came into our office when i was heading up the hr department and there was somebody who wanted to tell us that he worked the night shift where he was before and throughout that entire cover letter and his resume he talked about the night shift and different shifts that he had worked Unfortunately, the word he used he thought was shift, but the word that actually in the word shift, the F was left out. So think about what that word shift looks like with the F left out. Now, of course, it comes up as a bona fide word in spell check because it is a word, but it's certainly not a word that you want on your resume or any other resume that you may be reviewing. That's why we say check and check and check and check again so that you're not going to get caught with errors like that. We're going to go into a break right now, but I want to remind you to give us a call at 888-463-6748. That's 888-GO-FOR-IT. We'll be back in a moment. <laughs> 